One Shot Questers is a Dungeons & Dragons themed podcast for mature audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode's description. Hello Questers from all corners of the multiverse and welcome to One Shot Questers very first campaign, Monsters in the Mist. Our adventure follows four heroes who will join forces to retrieve and return unleashed monsters from the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual while uncovering the culprit behind the chaos. Our podcast uses the rules from City of Mist, a narrative-focused TTRPG that blends fantasy and modern times. The game is ran by the Master of Ceremonies, or MC, who also facilitates the story's development, creating challenges for the players. Players take on the roles of characters known as Rifts, who are inhabited by legendary entities, granting them supernatural powers and abilities. The players determine the success of their actions by rolling two six-sided dice and adding modifiers. Now allow me to introduce myself, I'm Duke Davis, not just a player in this epic saga, but also the face behind one-shot questers. Yet I'm far from alone on this quest, I am flanked by a formidable party of fellow adventurers, my dynamic co-stars who are the lifeblood of our story. So comrades, step forward into the light, make your presence known, let us start with Tori, followed by Andrew, Matt, and last but definitely not least, Dag. The stage is yours, introduce yourselves to our brave listeners. Hello, my name is Tori. I am a queer neurodivergent performer, writer, and podcaster from Sydney, Australia. If you want to see more of my face, you can follow me on Instagram at Victoria K. Bullard. Hi, um, I am Andrew, also known as Reed, and I just do editing, writing, and all the fun stuff. I have nothing to plug yet, but that doesn't mean I won't have anything to plug by the end of this podcast. Let's see how long that takes. And I am Matthew Gonzalez, a creative mind, musician, video editor, and a lover of laughter. And I am so excited to be here amongst all of you. And g'day guys, my name's Michael, I'm the Dead Aussie Gamer, I'm a TTRPG content creator from Perth, Western Australia. Uh, I travel around the internet like the TTRPG version of a cockroach. No matter how many times you turn off the lights, I'd still keep coming back. Uh, I am a part of a number of different shows, including of course uh, a live play over on Careful Cantrip, uh, as well as a regular over on Quincy's Tavern. I've done stuff for Wizards of the Coast, I've done stuff all over the internet. I'm that guy you have to look at in a movie and go, have I seen him before? and then hit IMDB. Except there is no TTRPG IMDB. Though seriously, don't IMDB me. I'm in one movie and it's very weird. Now I have to. I have to. Stop it. Everyone right now, search up. (laughs) No! Dags IMDB. (laughs) Yeah, but you'd have to know my real name for that. Before we set sail on our grand adventure, we want to pause for a moment and extend our deepest gratitude to you our brave listeners. It's your presence, your ears tuned into our podcast that fuels this fantastical journey. We couldn't have begun this without you, so thank you for joining us in this narrative we weave. Tonight's episode is sponsored by One Shot Questers patrons. Yes, you! Their generosity enables us to keep the fires of our storytelling burning bright. We'll give them their well-deserved recognition during our mid-show intermission. Yet, in this vast world of ours, there's always room for more companions, so if you'd like to sponsor an episode please don't hesitate and email duke at business at osqtv.com and now having paid our dues we're all set up to leap into the fray grab your weapons check your inventory tighten your armor the time for talk is over 
fellow adventurers, our campaign begins now. I welcome you one and all as the Master of Ceremonies to City of Mist, a world in which ordinary people are granted extraordinary powers. Through the powers of mythoses gathered from folklores, tales, legends, and historical figures, these ordinary people vie to try and keep their lives together while their mythoses try to exact their own plans and machinations. We are in the city of Dunport, a small uh, and quaint little place that is filled to the brim with the hustle and bustle of the different districts, ranging from uh, the areas filled with skyscrapers, uh, old towns which are uh, like kind of like built and, and created from the earliest days of Dunport's uh, foundations, a small beautiful duck pond with uh, a number of suburban houses surrounding it, uh, even of course a a large area filled with the sounds of industry. This very diverse and and um, and beautiful place uh, is home to our heroes and our adventures. We find ourselves heading through the swirling mist, down, 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 towards one of the locations within Dunport, a place known as Lilia, nestled at its heart. It is slightly to the southeast of the central area, an oasis of multiculture that combined together in a mixing pot of vibrant, beautiful, and colorful people that uh, enjoy their lives here in the center of Lilia. A symphony of sounds and smells uh, collide through this area as people move uh, through their day-to-day -day lives. It is around sunset, and various lanterns hang over the various streets. Uh, signboards promoting the various shops and stalls uh, are all on all sides here along uh, the, the main uh, thoroughfare. When all of a sudden, crashing through the street are four figures who send the people nearby into a panic as they are running full bore through the various alleys and darting past the various shops. Our heroes begin crashing into what looks to be a small carriage filled with cabbages that scatter in different directions as Liam, the first person to uh, make their way through. Uh, would you describe yourself as you are currently frantically fleeing what seems to be something in pursuit of you and your companions? Absolutely. So Liam is somebody who you can tell is not meant to be doing anything like this. So he's he's an average man, brown hair, brown eyes, but his outfit is definitely not anything average. He's wearing a fine gothic suit coat and suit pants with um, a really cool theatrical green vest. And they're all right now, the, the whole ensemble is speckled with sweat and now cabbage parts, as well as some other bits and pieces that he probably picked up throughout the chase unexpectedly. But at this point in time, you can tell he doesn't care about any of that because he is running legitimately for his life. He doesn't even care about any of the any of the cries of the cabbage man behind him as he just runs and shouts over to his um over his shoulder, "We got to keep running. It doesn't matter. We got to keep going. Come on, guys. Come on." To the panic screams of Liam uh, ahead of everyone. Um behind Alice, you hear the sounds of something behind you. Uh the sound of uh large and heavy steps in pursuit. A quadrupedal creature with a low growl. Almost like the back of the throat as a lion preparing to lunge is just inches away from you. You are terrified, too terrified to turn away. Alice, what do you look like and how do you how do you seem fleeing this scene? Alice is not built for running. Alice is, you know, sweat dripping down 
her face. She has this long auburn hair that's kind of thrown up into like a top knot. She is wearing purple like gym pants and like a purple crop and like ballet slippers. She is trying. She is running like she's running so hard she can feel the heartbeat in her own ears just trying desperately to keep up with Liam um kind of almost like reaching out one hand in front like trying desperately to grab onto somebody to see if they can kind of like speed her up a little bit guys I'm so sorry I don't know how long I can keep up with this hearing the panic cries of Alice right next to you Evan can I get you to roll me the first roll of our campaign Okay. All right. Here we go. First roll. Definitely first roll. Absolutely the first roll. Definitely. We haven't rolled at all ever before this moment right now. You will need to roll me an investigation check. This is a 2d6 roll, as is most rolls in this game, in which our hero needs to receive higher than a 6 in order to succeed. If they happen to get higher than a 10, it is a critical success, and all of these rolls are modified by um, skills, powers, and abilities our characters have, granted either by their personal life and their training, or the mythos and the powers they possess. 5. Starting off strong. But I want to use a uh, my sense of threat tag for this investigation. I would also like to use calm emotions. Ooh. All right. I like those. All right. Well, having rolled a five and receiving a plus one for your sensing threat and a plus one for remaining calm, as you're running, uh, the sounds of Alice's shouting seems to slowly start to fade and you start to hear those noises start to disappear. Even the background, the sound of uh, a motorbike horning at you as you guys are running through this area. The cabbage man yelling out at you, my cabbages, you mother. Uh, As you're running, as this happens, you suddenly hear something up ahead. Just as Liam is turning around a corner and about to dart into an alleyway, you hear and a growling sound. Um, That sends a chill down the back of your neck. You just get this huge sense of a massive danger that both Liam and Alice are about to run directly into. All right. Well, Evan Drake is uh, thin, but deceivingly looking strong. He always loves to wear Converse. Baggy jeans, nice zip-up red hoodie. As he's running and he feels the tingling go down his spine, the hairs on his arms stick up, his eyes go wide and he freezes. Liam starts to dart past him and he grabs Liam by the back of the fancy jacket. And then he turns to look at, uh, oh, sorry, Tori, what was your name? Alice. Alice. Look at Alice. He's like, wait, everyone, there's something mighty scary in that mist over there. As Evan says this, you can see uh, a pair of yellow eyes suddenly penetrate the darkness from the alleyway that, Liam, you were just about to run into. You were literally about to run into this creature. It is not a lion. It is bigger, but definitely has that feline, broad-shouldered, furried look as these claws kind of scratch and tear at the ground in front of you. It starts to move in a prowling fashion towards you. Quickly taking in uh, everything that's going around, Um, if this thing uh, lunges at you now, if you make sudden movements, you are worried this thing is going to pounce. Trevor, you quickly try to assess the situation and try to find a way to stop it before it lunges at you. All right, Trevor running up behind the group, he is, as you get like a close-up to his eyes, you see his eyes like working left and right into his brain. He goes, okay, how can I make this as cool as possible? Like we're in a movie or some type of film. Like if someone recorded this, how cool can I make this? And he is going to run 
and do his absolute very best seeing everyone stop. Alice, I'm so sorry. He's going to try to like parkour up and over Alice. <laughs> kind of like vault over like a piggyback type of thing. Um, and he is going to invoke a player class. Ooh, very nice. All right. As you do so, all of a sudden, from behind Trevor, you watch as this thin mist starts to form what looks to be a humanoid form, a kind of almost uh, blue body with a D20 for a head with no visible facial features. As it does so, it opens a book in front of it, and you watch as pages start to fly around as Trevor reaches for the class he wishes to invoke. I am going to become a paladin, and I am going to brandish a large shield to protect my fellow uh, comrades. And as I kind of leapfrog over Alice and over everyone else with pure athleticism, I am going to slam my shield into the ground, and I am going to invoke from this class Divine Smite on this beast in front of us. Uh, we are going to use the action known as Hit It With All You've Got. This is a powerful move in the City of Mist world in which you have a clear ability to try and hit this thing as hard as you possibly can. There are a series of actions based on your result, so roll us the 2d6 and tell us what you're going to add to it. Oh, that is a straight 11. Uh, you don't need to add I don't need to add anything, baby. <laughs> All right, which means, well, actually, you get to choose two of these things. You can oh. either secure a better position, which you can, obviously, while your shield is there. You can hit them hard with your smite. You can control any collateral damage it is about to do. You can hold the target's attention or you can try to seize the upper hand here. Ooh, I think the best thing to do, since we are in a crowded area, since I'm already in front of the party and kind of being a protector, I think the best thing to do is to hit it with all that I have and to control the damage that happens around so no bystanders get hurt. Easy. All right. So as this creature lunges out of the darkness, you still can't see it among the shadows of the alleyway that you're in. This huge claw... Uh, reaches over and rakes at that shield. It cuts through the metal like butter. You can see these scratch marks now appearing around its edges that have dug in deep. As you uh, yeah, as you call out for your smite, uh, your shield then glows bright with light, and you watch as this creature almost transforms into a smoky cloud as it dissipates for a moment as you force it backwards and into the alleyway. Though you cannot see it any longer, you hear the sound of the trash can further in the alleyway. Uh, it's almost invisible. You cannot see the shape or anything just where, of course, it must have impacted the wall, but you can still hear it growling. You can still hear it getting up, readying to come back at you. Trevor, as you turn to face your group, could you describe what they see? Yes, uh, first off, this creature in this blue, like, genie looking very fit form dissipate like back into myself in a way as trevor stands before you what you guys see is an aspiring content creator who lives and breathes his craft 
With his light brown hair slicked back to a perfect medium length, he's focused on his image as he is on his work. His attire reflects his personality. On the upper half of his body, he's adorned with all sorts of trinkets, headphones, draped around his neck, a convention badge proudly displayed, a small shoulder bag carrying his essentials, and he supports tan shorts and a pair of striking red and black hiking shoes. He's never without his phone as well, and he's frequently checking to stay on the on the pulse of any changes that might have occurred in the last minute. He's waiting for that moment to, you know what? He's going to make it big. And if I check every single minute, it's going to happen. I, I don't want to miss it. <laughs> That's your character? That Yep. Trevor Anderson. Okay, you know it's a fantasy game, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, I mean, look, there are many unbelievable things here, but perfect hair, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> um. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Perfect hair. Let's believe all that. I, okay. So as you uh, as you make your way uh, out into the uh, out back in, in into the area, you need to get somewhere clear. You have to find somewhere that is um, that is going to at least be less cramped up. If you end up fighting in like a small space like this, this thing will just get you. So, I need everyone to make me an investigation check to try and figure out where the best place to go is. That'll both reduce the amount of collateral damage from people and, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, bystanders, as well as somewhere that's going to be good enough for you guys to do battle. A ten. A ten. A solid effort there. Six. Five. <laughs> I got an eight. Yay! (laughs) All right. So, Liam and Alice, you two are still kind of reeling. You didn't realize you were about to run into that thing, and if it weren't for both Evan and Trevor, uh, you definitely would have um, been mauled having turned that corner. However, the moment it passes so quickly because both uh, Trevor uh, and uh, Evan have the same idea at the same time. In the center of uh, this district is a statue to a very beloved mascot of the people here. And there is a huge, nice, clear area with the gardens that happen to be all around. You quickly make your way, barreling uh, back through the streets. People yelling at you in different languages as you walk past. Some of you kind of like passing through alleys that have people's laundry and you could see behind you this large beast still in pursuit. Uh, Every now and then get caught up and tangled, ripping and tearing through these fabrics that rain down on this alley like confetti. Eventually you pass through and into the cold night air. The lights and the lanterns that traveled between these buildings no longer around you as you find yourself in this open space. In the center of this area, you see a statue, a wonderful, bright-eyed statue to a beloved caricature that represents this district. It's a dodecahedron of some kind (laughs) with tiny eyes, a little cute smile, and kind of like, uh, kind of like it it sits with like water, kind of like it, like almost like a tiny little fountain that's there as well. Strapped to its back is a uh, quiver, should I say, with arrows in it. It, it. it embodies the spirit of adventure, and it is colloquially known as Didi. Frick yeah! <laughs> as you make your way in front of the statue, you turn behind you in order to wait for the approaching creature. You hold your breath. You wait. When suddenly from above you, on top of the Didi statue, this huge feline creature, its claws digging into the statue as uh, as it lands atop it, its beady yellow eyes staring at you with tiny black slits glaring at you. Instinctually, you take a step back as this figure jumps down and you see a terrifying beast in front of you. A small calico kitten, big enough to fit in the palm of your hand. It looks up at you with big doughy eyes. <laughs> 
one week earlier. <laughs> Record scratch. Uh, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got myself into this mess. Keep going, keep going. I love this. Oh, yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got myself into this mess. Well, it all started when I, Trevor Anderson, was in my studio apartment all by myself, finishing up a charity stream. All right, everyone. <laughs> Just kidding, the master Sarah, but sorry, God has tried to talk to me really quick. Hold it's on. Fine, no, it's fine. I was gonna, okay. So, <laughs> we find ourselves in a large, uh, well, a large-ish studio apartment. Um, it's large, but it's been subletted, and you can see that there's a bunch of different storage things in here. Like, someone had, like, rented out, like, a storeroom in an actual apartment complex. You can see large, uh, like, sort of rows of, like, um, industrial chemicals and stuff like that for cleaning along one side of the room. But on the other side, you see... Uh, what looks to be a, a computer rig with a very, very professional camera, two monitors, and a figure sitting in front of it. The sound of uh, music playing in the background, like some really cool, funky, upbeat music, and a series of like pings that seem to be coming from a phone on the table next to them. As Trevor is concluding this charity stream. Trevor, looking at his phone, hearing a couple of the dings, gets a, a slight smile on his face. He sits back. As he's been playing Fortnite for about eight hours, you feel like the damp sweat hitting your back when you like when you've been like leaning forward for a while, and when you lean back, you just feel that, you know. <sighs> Trevor speaks up. All right, guys, uh, thank you so much for the this charity stream. Thank you to everyone who joined in. Uh, eight hours is great. We've earned about uh, fifty three dollars of donations. Appreciate you guys. I uh, I'm gonna send this off to a, a, a charity of your guys' choice. So yeah, j just fill it out in the form and I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll send it to the donation. All right, uh, cool. He's gonna grab his mouse and move the mouse over to the uh, stop streaming button. He's gonna click it. He's gonna lean back, kind of exhales. He's gonna look at his phone, see that there's a transaction from his bank account that was $50. Oh. <sighs> you, take a you take a moment as you look at this. I need you to make an investigation check as you... Um as you're sitting at your desk. Uh, seven. You look up for a brief moment at your computer. It still says that you're live. You realize that as you were trying to log off, your mouse has run out of batteries. And the chat is, well, for the few people that are in chat, are trying to tell you that your camera's still on. Your camera's still on. Hey, does he know his camera's still on? Someone sent him a oh, message. Oh, hang on. Um, I'll, I'll send him a text message. He's going to start frantically trying to move the mouse and see it's not working. He's like, oh, shoot. Um, uh, he's going to look down under the desk. Your phone is like pinging now. Uh, it is uh, one of your friends from high school who watches your stream. Uh, and it's, it's a text message that says, do you know your stream's still live? <laughs> oh, crap. Oh, shoot. Ethan, uh, you hear like the typing of text message, but he looks up, remembering the stream is still on. He's going to duck under his desk and yank the power cord and turn off his whole system. <laughs> <laughs> As you do so, all of a sudden you hear the sounds of knocking at the door. <laughs> uh, hold on. He's going to get up under his desk, but like bang his head on the desk. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm coming. I'm coming. He's gonna go over to the door. He's gonna look through the peephole really fast. As you do so, can you make me a face the danger roll? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's a four. As you get up and start making your way towards the door, unfortunately, you haven't taken your headphones off and you suddenly <laughs> wrench your neck backwards. You fall down and you land hard on the ground. <gasps> your The wind is literally knocked out of you. You now have the first condition. Oh no! Which is sore back. <laughs> 
Oh, guys, sorry, I can't come over to you. I got sore back. <laughs> so in City of Mist, uh, every character over the course of the game eventually uh, accrues what we call tags. These tags can be injury tags, story tags, plot tags, character tags, whatever they are. They will affect certain roles, so anything that would, you know, affect things like if he was trying to, say, climb a ladder... Soreback might have actually penalized him here and there. So that's how City of Mist works in general. But getting to his feet, making his way to this door, and looking out of the people, you see what looks to be your landlord. Oh, crap. He just, right as he sees his landlord through the people, you just see him, like, his shoulders slump down. He knows what's coming. It's one of those moments where he just puts his forehead on the door and just kind of shakes it a little bit. He unlocks the door, turns the doorknob, opens it, Hey, well, what's up? The man standing before you is a large, heavy-set Russian man. Oh. <laughs> uh, his name is Mr. Yelvik. Mr. Yelvik has um, has lived in this this building his whole life. He he proclaims that his his forefathers like built it with their bare hands. You know that kind of this kind of dude, and uh, he's got this large kind of beard, no hair whatsoever. Fairly sure his back is just covered in tattoos. Uh, that Gosh. one time you saw him come out in like a sweatshirt. As he kind of looks at you, he cl- he cl- he holds a list in his hand of things that are wrong with your apartment. Like the water not working, the hot water being off, your electricity fizzling out, you not having light bulbs to replace several of the ones that have gone out in your bedroom. Um, The fact that the leaking sound or the dripping sound has now changed to a rushing water sound above your roof. Just a series of reasonable things to build up. And you watch as he is holding this just in a clenched fist that looks like a freaking coconut. The, 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 the His fist is a coconut or the stuff in his hand is a no, coconut? No, it's, it's about as big as a coconut. Okay. As uh, as we fade away from this scene for a moment, we find ourselves uh, across the uh, across town at what looks to be a recital, an audition for a part as a backup dancer in a upcoming commercial on hair removal. <laughs> the studio itself is pretty low budget, and uh, there are a number of dancers, a lot of them quite young, uh, who seem to be stretching and practicing and kind of getting warmed up in a large room that has uh, a lot of like kind of seats, carpeted floors, potted plants, and of course a door to the audition room. There we find Alice, as Alice is awaiting their number to be called. Alice is in her own head. She is looking, you know, she can smell the the fear and the excitement all at once in the air of this room. She can feel the really coarse carpet under her feet. She's trying to center herself a little bit, but all the while centering herself, she is looking around at all the other people in this room and just is, is kind of getting that little bit of that cold sweat right at the center of her back of just being like no just act cool it's fine and in her head she's just going you know you're you're all here you're used to this it'll be a yes or it's a no it's all right it's gonna be good oh my god she's stretching i should be stretching why am i not stretching um and she'll kind of begin doing like a very like lackluster stretch she does one of those kind of stretches that you know thinking to herself i'm going to impress the other people in this room she like kicks her leg up to the side of her head and just kind of holds it there for a second she's looking around and the longer she kind of looks at everyone she's kind of going actually you know what i've got this i got this in the bag and you see kind of the shift in her body she's got this confidence she kind of pulls her shoulders back you know, raises her chin a little bit. She's like, yeah, all you bitches are going to bow 
down to me. This is my time. This is my moment. She kind of adjusts her little number that's kind of um, pinned to her top. That smell of fear no longer exists. All all that is there is just this is this is my moment. Make a convinced check for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> the audience isn't convinced. You gotta you gotta convince them. <laughs> Nine. A nine. Very nice. All right. You do manage to convince yourself, psyching yourself up. You feel this rush of good vibes just walking, wafting through you. You feel confident and you kind of, uh, you know, you start your own stretching routine, you know, even if it's not the same as what the others are doing. When a 12-year-old girl approaches you and she seems to smile, blonde hair, blue eyes, perfect form for, for a, a young dancer. Uh, she has a ribbon in her hair and she looks at you and watches you stretch. And she only says one thing to you. It's very out of the blue. My mommy knows the director. And she skips away. Alice is kind of still looking where this little girl was that has just kind of shattered her confidence a little bit. <laughs> Number 17. Number 17. Uh, Alice just jolts and has like this, she does like one of those kind of holds her hand in front of her face like, okay, and breathe and smile. Everything's fine. Holy shit. Okay. And just like walks in absolute like slaying her way into the audition room. As you enter, you find yourself in a actual dance studio with mirrored walls along one side, uh, a railing for, for people to grab onto while they're doing their routines and stuff. And uh, placed in the center of the room, uh, just be in front of where that mirror is, are uh, three people who are in different seats. Uh, they all seem to be quite um, middle-aged. Um, they all seem to be wearing business suits, despite, of course, this being kind of like a dancing kind of routine. You don't see the person you were here to sort of meet. You, like, you kind of knew that one of them was like putting all the dance coordinations together. A person you know very well. Uh, your dance coach, Madame Marie. Instead, in her place, you see several people in just corporate suits with Dunport uh, Pharmaceuticals just simply written on it. They all seem to have notebooks and notepads and seem to be writing things down, very clinical, very cold. As you stand awkwardly, we move across the city, traveling along the various lines of the mist into a subway tunnel uh, that runs beneath the several districts as the uh, the hustling and bustling and sounds of the train as it moves through the rails. Um, we find ourselves with Liam, who is en route to his next potential client as he is uh, currently being jostled by several of the individuals who are next to him. Uh, you could see that uh, one individual, this very uh, large woman who uh, seems to have a, a baby wrapped and swaddled in a, in a like, kind of a blanket that's tied around them, leaning against you, tired, worn from a day of hard work and just sort of half asleep. You can see across from you, there's this uh, elderly man who's like trying to get rid of some snot that's like caught up in his sinuses, but he's not quite getting it as he's just constantly like drawing it back into himself. Like a salary man, you know, a guy who works nine to five uh his hair is kind of disheveled you can see his his toupee has kind of slided off a little bit you go you're kind of like you're not entirely sure if he'll make it to work tomorrow you know like that kind of dude liam is going to be taking you know a look at all of his surroundings um and he's obviously going to be cringing away from the, the, the woman with the baby and also the man who you know needs is in dire need of a kleenex you don't want to i don't want to get anything on my jacket liam liam is very worried about 
his outward appearance, especially now he's going to be going to see his client. But this third salary man he looks at, he tries not to make an obvious look, but he scans this man trying to see what small details he can pick up that will make what he's about to say to this man more convincing. Am I, is there any kind of thing that I can do in order to, to cold read this man, so to speak? A hundred percent. We are going to be doing an investigation check. Uh, so that is your 2d6 in order to try and investigate what you can about this individual. Well, that is six, seven, eight, nine. Nine. Very nice. Okay. What would you like to add? I would like to add Karn, 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 artist. Oh my gosh. Corn. I would like to add Con artist. Karn artist. One of those artists. Corn artist. Corn. Corn artist. <laughs> That's right. I live down in the country and we make art with corn. <laughs> I am from the Midwest. So also deals with grief, cold reading, and works best on sleeper. Yeah, okay, cool. Uh, I'll also give you insight as well. Oh, yes, insight's also kind of, so those five... Stop, stop, he's already dead! <laughs> <laughs> Bring that up to a total of 14. Well, here's why Here's why the, uh, the tags are also important, because sometimes when we add tags or when we apply tags, it'll be based on how much power you add to them. So in this case, you will have insight on this person up to five questions that you will know the truth about this individual based on your observations uh, taken from your very cursory glance at this depressive individual. Uh, you can ask them in meta or you can sort of elude to them and know the answer in roleplay. The things I would like to know, he seems, you've already said that he seems like a depressed individual. Does he seem to currently be employed or is it like, is it a dead end job type situation or is it more of he just got fired situation? He is absolutely not on his way to work. Next question. Does he seem to be married? Does he have a ring on his finger? Does he have any indication of, of a family at all? You notice that there is a small tan line around where his uh, ring finger is. The last question, and maybe this is more an indication of where he's going does he seem to be going to look for work or more going to like to drink his sorrows away? Yes. <laughs> okay. So I, I see all these things. Liam knows very well that he'll be able to pick more things up as he talks to him. He, he takes a few deep breaths, gets into character. As that happens, all of a sudden the train lurches to a stop. Several individuals walk in, but this is your stop. As I'm walking out, I'm going to pull out a business card that that indicates if you've had if you've been having a difficult time and you need the stars to guide you then I'm the person to talk to and and I slip it into his pocket as I continue to walk away he looks at you a little confused at first and then uh, has a look at the card uh, we're gonna give you a trigger okay uh, so another tag which we're gonna apply to Liam is sad man. Now, what this is, is at some point later on in the adventure, this tag may be consumed to perhaps have bumped into meet or find this individual later on down the track, and he will be acquainted with that moment. So there you go. And I, I do, as I'm walking off the train, stand kind of close to a pillar so that as the train starts going and there's a moment where I'm obscured in his vision... I'm going to duck really quickly to go behind the pillar. Something passes and suddenly Liam is gone like a wizard. <laughs> All right. Very well. Uh, make, make a stealth oh, roll. Oh, please fail this. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what the dice say. Yeah. Ah, that's a six. Okay. Well, 
as you go to lean on the uh, the the wall, you you do so, and you watch as the train goes. And he does look at you, and he kind of like, because again, he's just sort of looking down. But then he looks up and sees Liam with his arm there. But as you've gone to duck behind, all of a sudden there's this crash sound, and you hear the sound of like a um, a paper cup hitting the ground. As you, oh, you fuck! As you run into what looks to be this very angry-looking man with hair that is bright green, shaved uh, like kind of sides with like tattoos all over his face, piercings over his nose and mouth, as you've bumped into him and spilled his coffee all over his leather jacket, <laughs> you can see that he's got like he's like just got this absolute look of fury over his face as he goes, "What's your problem, mate?" As he turns around, clenched fist, angry at you, and starts thrusting a big, meaty sausage finger in your direction. You notice that as soon as that happens, two more of his mates who are hanging out nearby see what happened, and they start walking up behind him. He's like, I saw fucking everything. That guy had at him. Yeah, freaking, who the hell are you, mate, huh? And they start to, like, <laughs> circle around you. To the sounds of angry shouting, we then watch as the, uh, the mist rolls past... Uh, and up the flight of stairs of the subway tunnel, making their way into the city streets proper, where uh, you can see a group of young kids gathered outside of a um, of what looks to be maybe like a, a an orphanage or a halfway house. This is actually kind of a foster home. There you can see a couple of kids on a stoop. We watch as as they start looking at each other and start snickering as uh, one individual comes past. This, of course, is Evan. Evan is on their way back. After something has happened, uh, you are sporting a brand new pair of sunglasses that conceal a very, very large bruise under your left orbital uh, ring. Evan's walking past, and as he hears these kids laughing on the stoop, he just stops for a second and looks at them. What are you guys laughing at? Nothing. C cool glasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you think they're pretty cool? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. They, they definitely suit you. I mean, very trendy. Trey, uh, you know, poverty chic. Evan picks up one of the kids by the by the shirt <laughs> and just shakes him a bit. Says, hey, shut up. <laughs> he just puts him back down. You watch as the kid goes down. Just like, take a moment to be shocked. And you can see that on his face. But then you also see that kind of, you know, that kid mob mentality sort of switch. The other four or five kids start to chime in as well. As you, you hear this happen, you hear the sound of a woman from inside uh, suddenly call out, Evan, que paso? Come, get over here. Uh, you know this is Elena. Elena is the foster worker who uh, works here uh, at the home. She looks after, you know, all the kids here. Everyone is very, very fond of this uh, this very lovely uh, Spanish woman. Now, I'm going to preemptively apologize. I don't speak Spanish, but uh, I'm uh, we, will, we will pretend like there's an accent because I'm not comfortable doing ones that I'm not proficient in. I'm Australian. All I speak is sarcasm. <laughs> That, that is what? No, That's what? Right. Is it? Isn't that the 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 language of the country? I thought sarcasm was the language of yeah. Australia. Uh, no. Oh, wait. Stop. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Elena looks at you and says, um, "Mijo, what's happened? Why? Uh, what's with the glasses?" Please, just can I go to my room? He's trying to like cover up his glasses. Hey, hey, no, no, no. Come, come, come. I'm still talking to you. She looks at you and, you know, you can kind of tell that she can sort of see there's still bruising around, even though you're wearing the glasses. Her, her mood kind of softens. We need to talk, okay? Your birthday's coming up. And uh, the foster care, they, 
I tried to talk to them, but they want me to set you up with your with a new place. And I want to find somewhere that's going to be good for you, you know, somewhere that's going to look after you, okay? But you need to come with me to see these houses. Why do I have to come with you? Can you just, like, take a look? Just I, I, can, I, I can't be there to look after you your whole life. Hey, you need to be able to do this on your own. And you watch as she uh, licks her thumb and, like, kind of rubs some of the dirt off your cheeks. And she says, you're so handsome, but hey, you're so stupid. You need to be able to do this stuff on your own. Okay? And this is non-negotiable. Tomorrow, 8 o'clock a.m. You're up here in your best suit. Evan slowly takes off his glasses and puts them in his pocket. And he just looks at her and goes, what if I don't want it? She reaches up and with a gentle hand touches the side of your cheek. I don't want you to go either, but just some things are out of our hands. Sometimes that's a good thing, you know? Sometimes it's just opportunity in disguise. When things happen unexpected, it might seem scary and frightening, as long as you be good in your heart, it'll work out. Trust me. And she kisses you on the forehead. Evan feels the kiss on his forehead and he grabs her hands. 8 a.m. And she, she smiles and she says, okay, now go clean up. We've got dinner to set up. Will do. You watch as she goes outside and as she goes outside, she starts like cursing in Spanish at the kids on the stoop. Uh, one of them starts to yell and try to make excuses. You know, you can you can definitely hear her, like, chewing them out. As, um, as you head back in, you see your room. Can you describe where Evan lives? So Evan sees his room. He shares a bunk bed with another kid named Parker. And Parker is always asleep. He's facing the wall. And Evan, of course, is on the top bunk. But he's too tall now for the top bunk. So whenever he's, like, on it, he can't sit up. Perfectly straight, he kind of just has to like hunch over because his head touches the ceiling. As far as his possessions goes, he has like a Rubik's Cube, where half the colors are faded, and a little tech deck. Come to the room, I stop, and uh, Evan just kind of looks at Parker, tries to sneak his way onto the top bunk, but it's so squeaky that Parker wakes up. Oh, hey man. Oh, dude. I had the weirdest dream. I think I was a pterodactyl. Where you been? Uh, oh, oh, uh, Elena is looking for you. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, she talked to me already. I had some places tomorrow. That pterodactyl thing, pretty cool. It was weird. I, uh, oh, hey, that reminded me. You know how you were asking about the thing with Bruce and stuff? They're looking at doing it tonight. So if you're in, we can get you there. Tonight? Tonight, tonight. When the sun goes down. Um... Look, come on, dude. Like, hey, do you know how many strings I had to pull to get you this job? Yeah, dude. Okay. Okay. Look, he, this is not a place that gives second chances, dude. Burger, I appreciate it. I just kind of got a lot on my mind right now. Okay. Got these cool sunglasses. Well, like, well yeah. I mean, that's nice that you've got some trendy specs, but you know, like, do you want to get paid or not? Fine. Yes, I want to get paid. Let's go tonight. Let's just see how it goes. Yeah, cool? my boy. Yeah, okay. That's what I want to hear. He, he reaches down to like sort of give you like a half limp, like high five kind of thing. Just keep it down. We need our, we need our rest for tonight, eh? And he, he like turns back over. Now, Parker is quite a heavy set individual. Not fat, just broad and large as he kind of like rotates over. And uh, you hear the groaning of the, the bed. Friggin' idiot. And I get under my blanket and I just roll over too. <laughs> 
Hey there, Adbarian here, and I'm excited to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, OneShot Questers Patreon. Our content is made possible thanks to the incredible patrons who support us there. By becoming a patron, you'll get access to awesome perks such as early content releases and exclusive behind-the-scenes footage that you won't find anywhere else. Plus, if you're hearing this ad, it means that most, if not all, of our episodes are available to listen on our Patreon page. So why wait? Take the plunge and pledge to our $3 tier or higher, granting you immediate access to all of our fantastic episodes. Simply visit patreon.com slash oneshotquesters and you can also find a link in our description for easy access. Pledging is one of the best ways to show your support, so if you believe we deserve it, go ahead and pledge today. We sincerely appreciate your support. Now without further ado, let's get back to the show! Now back at the apartment where, um... Trevor is being uh. <laughs> confronted by a large, angry, Russian-looking man. <laughs> we went from, like, ha-ha, Trevor's in trouble, to, oh, now I'm really sad, to, oh, Trevor's in, tro Trevor's in trouble again. Everyone was like, ha-ha! <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster. I know, good that silly ghost. I love that. I know everyone tuning in who's like, "Oh, what shot questers? This is gonna be a funny one shot, isn't it?" And it's like, no. So, um, this big Russian dude with tattoos fisting this like large <laughs> list of like nonsense that is like been been put up by Trevor. Hey, Mister Yelvik. Mister Anderson. Yeah. What the hell is this? Uh, Mr. Mr. Yelvik, I I meant to, I meant to tell you everything about it. There there's been a lot of there, there, I've 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 had some issues with the apartment lately, and he's going to Trevor's gonna kind of keep the gap of the door, kind of like make it smaller so Mr. Yelvik can't see inside of the apartment. And, just, and Trevor's just gonna be like, look, I I promise I'll fix it. I I have some money that's uh, going into a bank account, but I I, I can I can cancel it and. I can get it back. Look, I don't want your money. I want you to fix that stuff that isn't working. Yeah. I already told you. Everything working in-house was perfect. I even made rent super cheap for you because you say you are what? Like, uh, like uh, begging on internet for stripping oh. or whatever it is you weirdos do online. So, so some people do do the stripping stuff. That's, you know, that's totally fine. Yeah, but I do not care. Care. Okay. I care that you are breaking my building. You understand this? Yeah, I, I understand. I understand. So, um, listen, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. My father traveled across oceans to try and find land of freedom. freedom uh -huh. You know this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know this story. Yeah. And and you know what he did when he got here? Uh, he with his bare hands builds a single building mm -hmm. to house his family, to house their families. And over years, we eventually become part of community. Community, uh-huh. Uh -huh. And you know what? In this community, one poor young man, he comes to me and he asks for favor. Say, I have no house, no place to live in. I open my home to this man. You know who this man is? Oh, um... <sighs> it is you, Mr. It's Anderson. It's me. Yeah, it, was me. it is was, you. Was and and what thanks mm -hmm. do I get for opening my house? You, ah. you get a... You, you get someone who's... Doing something out of his league, and he's not taking anything else into priority. No, I am supposed to be getting handyman uh, to right, fix that, that too. problems. Yeah. He takes the list and he palms it against your chest. Uh, you feel his hand weigh about the same as like a bunch of bananas as he <laughs> thrusts it at your chest. Get on this. 
Fix problem. Right. Or else you are out. Yes, yes, Mr. Yelvik. I, I'll i get right on it. I, I promise. I promise. And I'm going to start trying to shut the door as his hand's like still on my chest. <laughs> You uh, as you as you do so, he he moves it away like very slowly, and you watch out of the keyhole. You're kind of like looking at him, and he's still standing there, staring at your door for a few seconds <laughs> before he t- before he turns. His body moves before his head head does, and then his head turns, and then he walks down the stairs. Trevor at the door. He's gonna just slump his back to the door and just slide down the door. He's gonna he's gonna open up his bank account. And he's going to start thinking to himself, well, I mean, charities are for people in need, right? I'm, it can go to the, go to the Trevor project, the project to fix everything here. What am I, what am I doing? And he's just going to have one of those moments, like every aspiring artist is just going to sit there and just head to the kneecaps, sitting down in the fetal position, just taking a moment to feel sorry for himself so he can get that out of his system to get up and finally have the motivation to do everything else. As you do so, there is another knock on the door. You hear the sound of a woman's voice. The voice is coming from uh, Mr. Yelvik's daughter. Her name is Leia. Uh, I'm going to stand back up. I'm going to look through the peephole just to make sure her father isn't there. And once I I confirm that he's not there, I'm going to open it up. Hey, uh yes yeah or what? <laughs> as you open as oh I was gonna say okay, yes he's I was gonna say that there. yes he's there uh, oh dang it <laughs> <laughs> not again no she you see her she's she's there and she seems to be uh, holding on to a uh, a large like pot of something like a Tupperware uh, container hi uh Trevor I, I'm sorry about my dad he's uh, he's just a little he's under a lot of stress is all. I, I told him that he he didn't need to be so so aggressive and uh, are, you, are you okay? Being a little bit of starstruck right now, like just getting yelled at by her dad. Trevor's a little bit taken aback, but almost relieved, but also like very cautious, but also really sad. Like a lot of emotions <laughs> happening right now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm 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 happy you came by. Th- thank you. I um I I I tried to do a charity stream again. It, 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 how did okay. go? I got about fifty-three. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. I mean, look, uh, you know, charity is not about the amount you make. It's the fact that you're putting yourself out there, right? Yeah, totally. As he scratches his forehead, one of those like squint, uh, squinting eyes, like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. She, um, she says, well, um, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure after streaming, you're you're hungry. At that time, when Leia says that, Trevor realizes that he hasn't eaten in about twelve hours. Because he was so hyper focused on getting the stream started, and then spent the eight hours just streaming, his the face, the color in his face just drains, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm I'm really hungry. I did it again. I'm sorry." She um she doesn't push past you, but she walks in confidently. It's not the first time she's she's done this. So she as she goes in, you can see she's uh she just starts to like sort of look for that the table that's now covered in like just assorted bits and bobs. She doesn't judge. She just sort of like moves things like almost like she's, you know, done this before. Uh she puts the the Tupperware on the table and heads into the kitchen, which is kind of around the corner. And is kind of sharing a space with, uh, you know, your bathroom, uh, separated by a very thin bit of plaster wall. As she she heads there, you can hear her kind of like rattling through the kitchen, like getting some cutlery and some things like that. 
knowing that the old Tupperware that she's brought is still everywhere and still not cleaned, he's just gonna go, "Hey, you know, um, do you know your granddad built that sink that you're using?" Uh, yeah, yeah. Dad tells that story all the time. Yeah, he he does. Honestly, this this old building's been replaced so many times. I don't think there's a brick in this place that Granddad still touched. <sighs> you hear the sound of scrubbing coming from the the kitchen as she couldn't find any clean plates. At this point, Trevor's gonna whisper to himself. He's just gonna say, "I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it." And he's just going to head over to the kitchen and finally clean up his mess. As you are about to do this. Out of the window, the one that you have that faces a really ugly corner that's like mixed in between alleyways and stuff like that, you only have like maybe the slightest amount of sky that you can see over the top of the building adjacent to you. You see a blinding flash of red, blue, and yellow light colliding, almost like lightning. But instead of striking from the sky above downwards, this seems to have gone down and upwards, creating a maelstrom of catastrophic energy that waves in all different directions. Seeing that, Trevor is going to forget about doing the dishes as this light this light show just appeared, and he's going to head right over to the window and open it up, and he's going to poke his head out to try to get a better view. Meanwhile, back in the dance studio, an awkward silence has been has basically come for the last um, maybe five minutes or so. They haven't asked for Alice to move at all as these three suited individuals um, who are in charge of the dance audition simply sit there looking at their notes. Alice kind of is, you know, looking around in this room, kind of does like a little bit of like a, you know, sneaky kind of look to be like, okay, Madam Murray is meant to be here. Like, you know, keep smiling. Just have a look around. Why isn't she here? Fake it till you make it. And she's just going to like walk into the middle of the room and um, just stand in front of them and be like, uh, uh, good evening. Thank you so much for having me in today. Um, yeah. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, number 17. Um, thank you. That'll be all. I'm sorry. We've filled the position, uh, but thank you for, for coming out, and we appreciate your, your time today. If we have other jobs, we'll be sure to contact your agent. Uh, you haven't even seen me dance. <laughs> it's just kind of just like being like, are you fucking kidding me right now? In her head. The the cold glares that you get up from these, these corporate suits uh, washes over you as um, they kind of look at each other and they start whispering things to each other, like, you know, between their ears. They turn to you and they say, yes, we only had limited spaces and we have already found the people who we think meet the criterias for what our business is looking for for this particular ad. Well, while I appreciate your honesty, you haven't seen me dance yet. Therefore, you can't have found what you're looking for. I like the confidence. Make a convinced check. <laughs> I'm already sold. <laughs> dang! Me sitting here like, dang, Tori! Freaking slay! Love this. Nine. The three of the suits kind of look like they're, there's like this look of like tiredness. They don't want to be here. They didn't want to be here at the beginning of the day. They don't want to be here right now. As you say this though, they kind of look at each other and then they kind of nod and they, they gesture, okay, we'll go on then. And they sit back down. You can kind of tell it's going to be a tough crowd. Because of this, you're going to receive a negative one on your performance check here, but you may attempt to change the game. 
Changing the game is an action that you take in order to change some element of the game. In this case, you're going to be changing the minds and disposition of this entire panel. You're rolling 2d6 and you're adding however much power you have. The more power you have, the better this is going to be. Okay, so I got a seven, which is a minus one, which is six. Ooh, what can I add? There are a couple of things that I can add, so I'm going to say them. You want to add as much as you can. This is purely for dancing performing. Okay, dancer. Yep, dancer's one. Perfectionist. Yep, happy for that. An artist. Yeah, I'll give that one. Yep. I think that's probably the most that I can add, like, as in, like, from what I'm seeing. All right. Now, we're going to start doing the horrible MC thing. In City of Mist, in addition to the powers that everyone has for the type of character they are, in this case, with Alice being a dancer, there are also weaknesses, which can be used to impose disadvantages. These do, however, evolve powers and abilities, but we are going to apply these. As Alice begins their dance, immediately they start to move around, and thoughts start to sway into your mind about why your teacher wasn't there, why Madame uh, Marie wasn't anywhere to be seen. And you realize, maybe it's because I am not good enough. Maybe I was never good enough. As you start to dance, you suddenly feel like one of your moves, as you try to stretch and hyperextend yourself, your knees buckle under the stress as the weak knees pull you down and you start to drop to your, to your routine. In that staggering moment, that frustration begins to bubble and boil. These guys who don't even want to be there, who aren't, who aren't even dancers, who are they to judge me? Who are they to tell me who I am and what I can be? And what are they going to do? Choose that skinny little pin prick girl who, who's only here because her mom knows someone? Uh, but we're going to also knock in your short temper. And as you go for the final act, I'm going to let you decide if you want to invoke the mental shutdown. So you're currently at seven. This will decide if you succeed or fail at this check. So you have the power here. Now, anytime I used a weakness, such as for your adaptation, for your powers, for your uh, training and your defining event, so these were all the weaknesses I used, you have gained attention to these things. Once you have three attention, those abilities expand. So that's more of the rules. But we'll we'll talk about that another time once we get there. But the important thing is, is if you want attention to the last element of your personality, which is your competitiveness, you can choose to invoke that weakness or you can choose to succeed this role. I will choose to... Oh, no. Oh, no. This is really hard. Oh, God. I'm going to succeed this role. As you succeed, uh, you will indeed uh, perform the maneuver. You continue, and as you do so, they look at each other and start to talk. Now, Alice is not your typical body shape for what people traditionally consider dancers to be. But your dance was incredible. A perfect and beautiful rendition of form and function together in an elegant display. And they look at each other and they're talking. As they look at you, they say... Could you wait outside, please? Of course. And she will kind of um, do... Uh, it's it's like a little self-confident, but also being like respectful and kind of bow to them. Like, yeah, thank you, of course. And we'll uh, quickly and try and silently exit the room and kind of close the door 
and kind of lean back against the door. <laughs> yeah, they gesture to a balcony nearby. Um, it is it is just, you know, like, it, it's not telling you to go back into the waiting room, but telling you to just go just over there for a little bit. So as you open the sliding door and you close it, uh, you rest your back against it and you, you like, your heart is just pounding just rapidly in your chest as you try to catch your breath. When suddenly, uh, out in the distance over the city, you see a series of multicolored lightning lights from uh, a short distance away, not very far at all. The lights seem to almost change the color of the atmosphere, and you get this smell of petrichor just rushing through your body. It feels as though the hairs in your body have begun to stand up on end. You're not sure what this is. Maybe a, a transformer blue on the city street, but it is just in front of where Ooh. you are. Alice immediately watching this kind of show of lights can almost feel in her feet and it kind of ricochets up through her body kind of the the jolt that happened while it wasn't like you know catastrophic it it's in her bones and she kind of almost gets this tingling all throughout Meanwhile, passing back through the fog to the underground railway where three very, very big thugs have basically backed um, Liam into a corner next to what looks to be a um, uh, one of those like newspaper dispensers. There are no, there's a couple of people on the platform, but you can see that they're trying to keep their eyes down. They're just like, oh, we don't want any of that. Uh, as these three dudes approach you, the one in front, coffee stains running down his body, basically like leaning up against you, he's like, What's your problem, mate? So Liam is still kind of in that character who's about to, to talk to this man, but now he is in the character of Liam the Magnificent. As this man is like questioning him, he's he says, uh, I, I first would like to apologize. Uh, my head was somewhere else obtaining communication from the great beyond. The fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> As one of the... The, the the other thugs just points at you and, and <laughs> sneers. I was told by the great beyond I would be meeting three very important individuals this day. That I would be the one to change their fate for the better. Uh, let's go with a convinced check. I'm going to give you a negative one because they are all hostile towards you. Understandable. But I'd like to see wh where this is. Pl I'd like to see where how this plays out. <laughs> got snake eyes oh yeah <laughs> i mean i could try to add things i don't i'm not sure if any amount of adding will help me though well let's see what you got con artist sure eloquent yep cold reading mm, no works best on sleeper mm, sure insight Mm, sure. Mother protects me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> as uh, as you try to say that, they um they turn around and they say, "Mate, I'm about to send you to go meet the great beyond." Okay. Now you apologize, or else you're gonna have to be eating your own teeth. Of course, I I apologize. I do what he says if I were you. He's very cross. He hasn't had his coffee because you spilt it on him. You remember that, Gus? You remember he spilt his coffee <laughs> on you? I fucking remember it, Dennis. Okay, just it shut. It was an accident, and I sincerely apologize. They, uh, they, they, they watch to see what you do. Gonna reach into my pocket. Do I, do I have any cash? Ooh, good question. I'm gonna use the good old dead Aussie gamer do or die coin. Oh. This is how I decide nonsense. That is a do. Yeah. You do have a small amount of money. I'd say you have roughly in cash. You have about twenty-five dollars. Um, I'm going to pull out my wallet, reach in for the smallest cash 
value possible. This is this is for my humble mistake. I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Yeah, he takes the wallet and he flicks through it. He um he removes the cash. One of the the thugs kind of like pushes you hard against the uh, the wall here. As this happens, you see the the thugs kind of like start to walk away. When all of a sudden, in the subway tunnels, above you, the fluorescent lights start to flicker and dim and then overexpose, like almost like there's a surge down the, the subway tunnels, like where you can actually see the darkness where the trains would normally go through. There's suddenly this series of bright and colorful lights that start colliding and uh, banging uh, against one another in this maelstrom of color. Liam begins to start slowly walking away from this uh, terrifying light show. And his, his accent is completely gone as he's kind of buttering to himself. He's like, what the hell is in is in there? And he's, he's kind of looking around to see everyone else's reactions to see if, if maybe he's hallucinating or if anyone else is freaking out like he is. Um, the platform seems remarkably clear. You're not sure why, but it just seems like there's no one around. Seeing nobody else there, he's, he's going to stay further back from the light show, more stationary, as he watches kind of in the corner of his eye as the thugs walk away. And once they get far enough away, Liam is gonna quickly pick up the wallet and he's gonna start walking away briskly. Panning back across the city to the foster home where in bed you lie uh, on your back, the sound of Parker snoring in the bunk above you, uh, his you know, big foot kind of like leaning out over, dangling precariously over the edge of his own bed. Um, you're lost in your own thoughts, Evan, as you contemplate today, tomorrow, the rest of your life, and all of the above. Evan is just, uh, he's looking at Parker's leg, swinging back and forth, and he kind of imagines it like a pendulum. Here's Parker kind of jolt. As you sit up with a jolt, it's not Parker's leg that gets you to sit up, but the sound of screeching tires coming from just in front of your foster home. Evan just kind of looks around, screeching tires. A gout of water rushing upwards from the city streets. You hear the sounds of shouting and a small crowd starting to gather. Evan's kind of freaking out uh, a little bit, unsure. Reaches in his pocket, puts his sunglasses back on. It's Parker's legs. Like Parker, yo, take a look at this. Parker, come on, take a look. Let's get down. Wake up. Parker waves you off, and he just like rolls back over. He says, "Nah, man, just." <laughs> and you can see he is just out of it. Hey, fine, whatever. My room is on the second story, but because I know parkour, I kind of just hop out the window, slide down one of the pipes. I kind of do this like cool jump off the wall, and I get down, do a roll stand up super quick, and I run over to the commotion. As you run over to the commotion, you see that a car, a very, very pretty well-off car, has veered off the road and has crashed into a um, into a fire hydrant. You can see the water rushing out and over onto the, the area, and you can see that um, that's not where the crowd is gathered. A guy in a suit seems to kind of look dazed and confused, and you can see why he was dazed and confused. Up in the air, nearby where you are, is a light show of lightning crackling and exploding in different directions, something that would have easily distracted this driver as he was making his way around. But that's not what catches your attention. Laying on the ground a short distance away from the car is Elena. Evan feels chills go down his body, and usually he's able to act fast, and he's really mobile, but he can barely take a step. And so he starts to just 
walk forward slowly, one step at a time, every leg heavier, every step heavier than the last. And then out of nowhere, he just goes into a full-on sprint until it catches up to Elena. As you rush over, your legs carrying you as best you can, you reach out to try and get her. The light show continues and grows and swells. The sky itself begins to darken. And in that moment, all of a sudden, a myriad of colors launch in all directions, erupting from a central nexus and travel across the sky, skirting around this entire city like a lattice of clawed tendrils and appendages, striking all over the city, left, right, center, every district. Not a single area is safe from this rain of power that just rockets through this entire city of Dunsput. Underground, as Liam is running away from uh, what looks to be the uh, the light show itself, from behind this green piece of light arcs and strikes straight into his back. As Alice turns around to try and open the door to get back inside, this uh, massive pink and blue spiraled energy erupts through their back and almost sews like a needle through both their body and the shadow underneath them and then flies back out into the world. As you can see, as Trevor is leaning out the window, it looks like he's about to fall as uh, a huge eruption of uh, like bright blue and white energy erupts from where he is, sending him flying back into his own apartment and into what looks to be a pile of old and dusty books uh, around the uh, around his apartment that has just been left in, in just disarray. As Evan is reaching out to try and get to uh, Elena, a massive blast of red energy explodes from directly in front of them, sending their body flipping into the air, pulling them away from Elena at the last second. As these massive eruptions sends power surging through each and every one of you, you feel this sensation. Something unusual is happening. You're, you're, you're changing. Something feels different, like you're connected to something bigger, something deeper all around you. And that is where we're going to take a short break. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Monsters in the Mist has Michael as our MC, Tori as Alice Carroll, Andrew as Liam Beck, Matt as Evan Drake, and myself as Trevor Anderson. We want to give a heartfelt thank you to all of our patrons, especially Christian, Corrine, and Daedron. If you wish to further support Monsters in the Mist and unlock exclusive content, consider joining our Patreon community. Information will be in the show notes of the episode. Until we meet again, questers, fare thee well, and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>